You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to this crazy week here at the conservative conscience on Westwood One Podcast Network. It's late Wednesday night. And uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yes, I am doing an extra show. Um, partly because I could never get Brandon Judd to actually come on this show because he's so busy protecting this country, um, serving as a border agent, and I really wanted to get an update at the border of what's going on. But you know, we, we all thought before we bring on Brandon, we we all thought that uh, the immigration issue would just blow up and be everything, and then you know all these Supreme Court cases started coming down on immigration itself, on the labor union case, the crisis pregnancy center, a lot of First Amendment cases. We have a lot of articles up, and I'll link to them in show notes. I don't even have time to get to everything, um, the positives, the negatives, uh, what to look at. So that took over as the big story. And then suddenly a nuclear bomb, um, Anthony Kennedy announces he will retire. Uh, It's funny. A lot of you are hearing this right after the episode that didn't come out till today on my view that we're winning some skirmishes at the courts, but still losing the war. Fundamentally, everything I said is true. Even after this retirement, um, with that said in the short run, clearly this is a big opportunity and you want to seize on it. Now, obviously the fact that the world is stopping because one Supreme court justice announces his retirement in itself shows just how broken our system is. I mean, it's just too damn consequential and it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. Um, So I, you know, look, I'm going to get into this more and it's kind of crunch time for me because I'm going on vacation next week. Follow me at RM Conservative. You see a lot of my thoughts on Twitter. Some of them um, at, uh, at, at Conservative Review. When you read my writings, I will touch on some of the key points, what to look for, what we should be looking for, Who's the best pick? Yes, I am intrigued by Mike Lee. Um, It's hard to think of someone better, both in terms of their jurisprudence, but also politically, just, you know, in terms of um, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, because remember, they can't afford to lose a single Republican. Uh, John McCain's uh, permanently out. So even with Mike Pence being in the tie vote, they're going to need someone that could get through, and we don't want to puke. And I think he might be that only guy because of just his relationship in the Senate, and you know everyone kind of likes him as a person, at least on the Republican side. Uh, you know, let me know your thoughts. You know, who you think should be picked. I really have to digest this, but just keep in mind we've spilled a lot of pages of ink on this, and a lot of uh, shows demonstrating how, in the long run, um. You know, still the lower courts do matter, and it's going to help. It's going to help things a little bit, but you know, and and I would argue we're at the best position we've been in in a, in a long time. But keep in mind, 
I have an article just this morning underscoring the importance of Thomas's concurrence that we have to rein in this um, automatic injunction from the lower courts because keep in mind, just this morning, a district judge said ICE can no long- must go back and um, basically unite everyone. Unite the kids and everything. And, you know, look, as a general policy, we don't want to separate them because we want them both united and deported. But there are cases where it's prudent to do so, just like it's prudent to do so with Americans, that you have to separate them when you have American criminals. And yet here it is. Here it is with, um, you know, a, 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 one California judge could just shut this down. Five hours after the Supreme Court came down with the decision saying that the president has full authority to restrict any immigration or place conditions on their entry. And one of those conditions is that you might be – if you want to come here voluntarily to go and litigate yourself into status, under certain circumstances, you might be separated. You could always voluntarily depart if you don't want that. That is their option. We're not forcing that on them. So this is a very radical opinion that I would argue – You know. I warned you yesterday that the lower courts would overturn uh, Hawaii v. Trump, and you know, in five hours, in one respect, the judge already did that. So that point is still true. Now, I do think if you got another Clarence Thomas instead of um, Anthony Kennedy, it would just take four justices to grant cert, to grant an appeal. So even, even if Roberts is kind of reluctant to at least initially take up the case, at least you'd force the Supreme Court to more expeditiously you know, grant cert. But, you know, again, I I have a lot to say on this, what opportunities we have. We definitely do have some, but, you know, the challenges that we're still going to have with the judiciary, and I think some people are exaggerating um, to the extent that they feel, oh, we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I could guarantee you, anyone in the know will tell you, John Roberts will never do that. We don't even know for sure about Gorsuch. Um even Alito, I mean, I would assume he's it's very likely he'd overturn it. I don't know if we know a hundred percent, but whatever it is, at best we'd have four votes. We wouldn't have five. So now look, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg goes two, yeah, that that's real serious stuff. But again, I would argue if if we ever got to the point where the Supreme Court was overturning stuff of the left to the degree that they've been doing over the last sixty years on the right or to, to sane laws, I would argue the left is just going to delegitimize it and everything I wanted to do on our side, they would actually implement. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to um, actualize that. But nonetheless, there is a lot to say, a lot, a lot to unpack. Uh, but I did want to cover immigration. So the House voted down and only got about 130 votes, this garbage bill that was a massive amnesty, tripled the number of low-skilled guest workers. It was voted down, only got 130 votes. The big question is, what comes next? What comes next? Um, They have another day until they go out for the July 4th break. Will they try to push something in quick for the so-called fixing of the kids, separating of the kids? And it will will be something that we could support. Again, I mean, if if your fix is to vitiate Flores and mandate unified detention, I'm all for that. Um, but I don't I do not have the details yet as of this broadcast. So for now, I wanted to just step back and speak broadly about what's been happening 
the last couple weeks, mischaracterizing what what's going on at the border, um, and just you know tying everything we said together. And what better person to bring on than Brandon Judd? And as I mentioned, Brandon Judd is the president of the Border Patrol Council. He's been a border agent for many years, taught in the Border Patrol Academy, served at the points of entry, between the points of entry, northern border, southern border, um, all things border. And who else should we talk to but someone who actually works there? Hey, Brandon, thanks for joining us. How are you? Dan, it's good to be with you. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Well, you know, this is kind of unique. Um, You know, uh, I, I heard that you guys are sort of like Nazis, concentration camp. So I'm a little bit concerned about speaking to a to a neo-Nazi, I guess. But could you explain to us that what's going on at the border that, you know, this is not some la-la land where a b- bunch of Hondurans or Guatemalans are just living in peace and the Border Patrol is just grabbing people and separating them. What is actually happening with this border surge right now? What are you seeing the last couple of weeks and even days? Well, first off, you have to understand we're not uh, operating under any new policies. In fact, if you go back to 2014 under the Obama administration, Operation Streamline and the Consequence Delivery System, we separated families from children at that time. And, And look, when I say we separated families from children, that's because that is a that's something that is required of us to do under the law. If you're going to prosecute somebody for a crime, you have to separate um, the, fam- the, the parent from the child. It would be akin to um, you shoplifting at Target and the police called and they come and they arrest you. Well, they're going to come and you have two of your children with you. They're going to call Child Protective Services, and Child Protective Services are going to come and pick up those children. It's the same thing. It's the same concept. And so this this family separation um, is is being well. It's it's kind of being blown out of proportion. I mean, the, the the one problem is is DHS did in fact lose a bunch of children. So what happened was was when was when we separated these families, and this was no fault of Border Patrol agents. Um, when we separated some of these families and we took the, the, the parents and, and we prosecuted them and took them to court, um, we didn't reunite the children with the parents after that because DHS lost track. And so that is definitely an issue. That should never happen. Sure. Um, we, we should never be separating um, families, uh, I'm sorry, parents from children and not being able to reunite them after the punishment phase takes place. Um, you have to uh, reunite them at that time. And so, you know, that's why you're seeing these lawsuits right now. And frankly, I believe that they're, uh, the lawsuits are going to, uh, they're going to win the lawsuits, but at the same time, we did what was necessary in order to deliver a consequence to somebody who broke the law. Um, unfortunately, DHS did not follow through in reuniting those, uh, the children with the, with the parents. And, and that's, you know, that's, currently taking place right now but but frankly um you know who knows how long it's going to take sure um sure but, but but to be clear so, that that you guys at border patrol are not dealing with this you're trying to protect our sovereignty co- correct correct we what we do is we is we take people into custody that cross the border illegally um now what's funny is is all of these people that are crossing the border illegally and that are claiming asylum when that are having their children separated from their families, they could go to the ports of entry and they could do, they could 
they can make the process legal, but they don't because the criminal cartels control everything that happens on the border. And what the criminal cartels do is they make these people cross between the ports of entry, knowing wow. that it's going to take a great many of my resources out of the field, and they create holes so that they can cross their higher value products, such as opioids, um, you know, such as fentanyl. Uh, you know, anything that is that is contraband that, cro- that 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 is very expensive, they cross it when they create these holes. They also cross criminal aliens, um, gang members, um, people that have serious uh, convictions here in the United States that otherwise wouldn't be able to be released. Um, you know, they cross them at that time. I mean, we just we've we've arrested in the last year. We've arrested five thousand people that have. A criminal record here in the United States, and what should really scare the public is, is we don't know what the criminal record is of these people from their country of origin because we don't have access to those uh, those databases. So we could be taking somebody in in custody that is claiming asylum and looks like a nice guy, if you will, but has a rape conviction back in his own country. We'll never know that. And so that's why we have to have the right to secure our borders and have the right to determine who these people are are that are coming into the United States. And if we don't, we're going we're going to get an awful lot of criminals in 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 this country. So, so that's what I really wanted to elaborate on. You know, a lot of people um, they're being exposed to this David Copperfield style magic show where the media employs this illusory magic trick. Come look at what I want to show you. And they want to give the impression that it's a bunch of, you know, three-year-olds in diapers. So if you think about that, you don't think of a war zone or, you know, where you have cartels that are using military tactics and, you know, strategic tactics to get in really bad people. So you think like, look, you know, Where's the need to go strong? Um, you know, you, you can never be lenient enough with people like that. What's the harm? Am I correct in assuming that, you know, obviously the gang and drug crisis came from somewhere circa 2014, 2015, the last time we had this magnitude of a UAC and family unit surge from Central America. And that's been documented, um, you know, Texas DPS in their uh, threat assessment, they write that um, – the increase of illegal alien gang members crossing the border into Texas among among unaccompanied minors the previous year, this is 2015, positioned the gang as one of the state's most significant gang threats. Um, and they say, again, it happened around 2014, 2015. Uh, these groups pose the greatest gang threat to Texas due to their relationship with the Mexican cartels, high levels of transnational criminal activity, high levels of violence, and overall statewide presence. So when when I read that and then i see that we're now up to 50 55,000 um uac's family units together coming over that am i correct in asserting that what what's the interdiction rate maybe 40 50% no one knows yeah, it's, it's 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 right now because the the crossings are a little bit lower than what they've been in the past, but they are surging back up. Um, we estimate that we're about fifty to sixty percent effective. Um, therefore, so so you know, a good example is last month, uh, CBP arrested right at fifty thousand people um, that crossed the border illegally. So if 50,000 people crossed the border illegally that we arrested and we're only fifty percent effective, that means fifty thousand people got away. 
Yes. Um, you know, yes. and you and you, you know, again, multiply that out over over a 12 month period of time. And you're talking, you know, 600,000 people. 600,000 people. Just made it into people. this country. Wow. And, and what, what, so what my question was, so 50% interdiction rate, maybe 60% interdiction rate. So let's just say for argument's sake that these 50,000 that you apprehend that you have in um, facilities, although, you know, some of them, I guess we do let go, are, are all good people. And, you know, I'll, I'll try not to crack a smile with that. But let's say they're yeah. <laughs> all, all what the media is suggesting they are. And we could talk more about that. But I want to talk about what about the 50,000 you don't see? Meaning when you have, you know, two, 3,000 interdictions, well, okay, so there's two, 3,000 maybe that are getting away. But this means that the last couple of months, there's been, let's say, 50,000 a month you're not seeing. Is it correct to assume that per capita, pound per pound, that based on the strategy of the cartels, that the ones that you're not interdicting, by and large, would be even worse. Yes, we 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 have to be concerned, and frankly, I would even use the word scared. We have to be scared about those people that we are not even uh, encountering and don't know who they are, because again, the cartels created a scenario that they created holes in the border that they cross these people through because these people can't be let go. These people are paying a lot more money, um, and these people are, are a lot more dangerous, um, which is why they have to create these holes to get them across. Yeah, we, we, we really have to be concerned about that and why the mainstream media, and, and let's not even talk about the mainstream media. Let's just talk about anybody. Why, why we're not talking about this more and addressing the problem so that we can fix the problem is beyond me. If you look at the left, the left, in, in my opinion, the left should want to secure the border more than any group of people. And the reason is, is because the right always beats them up in the elections on the border. But if they would finally just secure the border once and for all, this would not be a political hot button. We wouldn't have to talk about it anymore. And the left could move on their merry way. Not that I'm not that I'm for the left, but I'm just I'm just sure. giving you that that it shows how absolutely insane and backwards politics are when you would you should want to shut down a topic of conversation so that you don't get beaten up over it anymore. But they don't. They just they just don't get it. And also, what's really getting to me personally, it's the left. I mean, I think we get a sense of their morality. It's, you know, whatever benefits their political outcome, um, because, again, it's all geared towards catch and release. Ultimately, they want them here. Ultimately, this exposes it's not just the people who've been here for 15, 20 years. It's the people coming now and tomorrow and till the end of times. They want them. They want them as voters. What's what's very heartrending is the lack of knowledge about the 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 security side that this is not even so much a legal loophole side it's, it's a national security issue with the drug cartels that you know even a lot of religious organizations that are often maybe even more associated with the right but they see this in a vacuum and they say oh my gosh we are being immoral but they don't see um, would you agree that this is akin to kind of what went on with Gaza and Israel a couple weeks ago, months ago, when the the media was going nuts, where you had Hamas orchestrating the entire border invasion? Hamas controls it, and they would use human shields. And you know, everyone's focused on oh, you know, kids and this and that. And and obviously, they were very careful and very precise and 
almost killing only Hamas, but you know, you can't be perfect and they couldn't let that invasion go on. Isn't that kind of maybe in a little bit more of a subtle way that you you know you have cartels that have military style weapons, um the Zeta, Sinaloa, a lot of former Mexican special ops, um, really dangerous guys, really brutal people, and they're using bogus asylum people that shouldn't really have a claim to come in this country, but let's just say they're innocuous for the most part, they're using them to get in all of the dangerous people and drugs. You know, thank goodness we haven't gotten to the to the Hamas level of, of border insecurity, and, and let's not even call it border security. Thank goodness we haven't gotten there. But, but yeah, the, the comparison that you're making, the, the way that Hamas um, controls everything that happens on the Israeli border, um, you, you have to look at it and say, okay, well, criminal cartels are controlling everything um, on the southern border. Now, now, obviously, they're not using people as human shields and, and, and things like that aren't happening, but the way Hamas runs the organization and controls everything that is illegal on the border, criminal cartels as well in Mexico control everything that is illegal on the border. And, and when I say Mexico, um, the, the cartels were born in Mexico, but they operate now in the United States just as much as what they operate in Mexico. It's they're not as as dangerous in the United States yet as what they are in Mexico. But we continue to see story after story after story of gang members, um, you know, mercilessly raping and killing, um, you know, teenagers here in the United States. And so, yeah, the violence is starting to escalate and we have to concern ourselves with that. And part of the reason that that I believe that it's escalating is is they have no respect for our laws whatsoever, none. And, and that is in part due to us. If we allow them to break our laws without any consequence whatsoever, why would they respect any other laws? Granted, it's a misdemeanor crime to cross the border illegally for the first time. Um, but still, if we send the message that that law means nothing, why would they think that any other laws are important? And they don't. And that's the message that we're sending to them. No, no, exactly. And, and and that's what we're seeing. There's a slew of drunk driving. I mean, what I'm what I'm thinking is, and I don't think I asked you this last time because I want to get your reaction to it. I'm looking at the quarterly DHS DOJ report on crime statistics from from uh, foreign nationals, and they want to collect from states, but most states don't cooperate. We don't have Arizona and California. We do have from Texas DPS, and they say that from 2011 to April 2018, over 250, so you know, roughly seven years, over 251,000 criminal aliens have been booked into local Texas jails that have cumulatively accrued 663,000 offenses, um, you know, 79,000 assaults, 80,000 drug charges. 44,000 thefts, you know, and even 7,100 sexual sexual assaults and 1,351 homicides. Um, it resulted in, you know, I forget, roughly 200 and some thousand convictions. And then these are just the people that were confirmed by fingerprints through either ICE or, or some other, maybe the FBI, that were foreign national. You can imagine the people that just came in directly and never were interdicted 
by the federal system and went on straight to commit a crime and you know they were caught by Texas authorities that's an awful lot of people um that's a that, again again if you're not concerned if not even scared about what's going on on the border you have your head in the sand um we have to concern ourselves with border security border security is not about the the family units that are crossing the border that are that are asking for asylum. I, I, I will tell you right now, the vast majority of the people that I deal with when I when I take them into custody are very polite. Um, you know, they're they comply with the commands that I give them. Uh, but that's because the criminal cartels are pushing them in front as quote unquote the sacrificial lambs. Uh, forcing me to use my resources to take them into custody so that they can then cross the dangerous criminals right behind them. And we play into their hands by continuing to um, humanize uh, the way things are happening on the border and saying, well, these poor people, these poor people, these poor people dig deeper, do a deeper dive into what is actually happening and if we do that deeper dive, then we can get a hold of the problem and, and we can finally fix the problem once and for all. This isn't rocket science. And frankly, it's just not that difficult to fix. You just have to have the political will to do it. So so I did a whole show on this, uh, the rocket science of this, and I want to get your thoughts on what this would look like as a reality for a border agent. I said I have a really good idea to end illegal immigration, and that that means ending illegal immigration. And and what I meant by that is that, you know, most Americans think that, oh my gosh, you cross a border, that's like, oh, that, that's illegal immigration. And generally it is. But the problem is we have asylum and we have all these um all these quasi-asylums and advanced parole and all these ways to litigate yourself into status. Now, when the laws were written, they made sense in a vacuum. We wanted to leave a certain avenue open, but it didn't account for what I call the two X factors, the the courts and the cartels. The courts on American soil just litigating us to death, death by a thousand cuts, as one um, you know, ACLU lawyer said, uh, let 1,000 immigration lawsuits blossom, very aptly put. And then the cartels, the fact that that they are using this as a military-style operation to orchestrate so much pain and harm on, on the country as well as the migrants, what would happen if my, my plan would be that we would announce this is not good for anybody? 95% of these people, while maybe they're innocuous and just impoverished, but they are not real asylees, um, why should we go through all this pain to Americans, empower, create an entire market economy for the um, smugglers and the, and the drug cartels, we are ending all cross-border migration. You can never come here to a land border and get status. If you are a legitimate asylee, go to one of the consulates in Mexico, or maybe one day we build a beautiful facility somewhere else in a safe, stable environment, um, A, away from the cartels, B, not on our soil where you have catch and release and the American people are on the hook for the, the public charge as well as the gangs and the problems with the, the teenagers. All this is to say, what would your job look like if you wouldn't have that magnet and you would now only deal with the cartels and the bad dudes? 
Well, if, if we didn't have the magnet and I didn't have to deal, if I didn't have to take my resources out of the field to deal with um, asylum seekers, we would be a lot more effective on the border. If you know, I, I talk about walls a lot, and I say if you if you give me walls in strategic locations on the border, I can funnel the traffic where I need it to go in order to make me more effective. Um, the laws of the country will do the exact same thing without a physical barrier. If we would if we would pass laws to deal with this issue, um, we could get this issue in hand, and it's that simple. But you just saw today, um, you know, the the Republicans put forth a compromise bill, which I was opposed to, um, but they put forth a compromise bill that the leadership, the the um, the House leadership, Paul Ryan, um, was pushing. Um, they were trying to whip the votes um, together. And it lost by they, they almost had just as many nay votes by the Republicans as what they they had in favor. Um, you can see that you're just not going to get laws passed. And if you can't get laws passed, you're going to have to allow me um, to do my job to be more effective. And in order to do that, you're going to have to give me those barriers in, in, in the places that I need those barriers. You're going to have to give me the resources um, to take into custody uh, a lot more than, than just 50% of what's crossing the border illegally. Um, but, you know, until, until this, this political gridlock gets solved, we're always going to be in this situation and nothing is going to get done. No, and that and that's exactly the point with with the magnets. I mean, we really uh, you you got to put yourself in the shoes of these Central Americans. If if you send out the message that well, we don't want illegal immigration, but there's all sorts of ways to come and litigate yourself the status. I mean, there's several billion people in this world, and certainly in our own hemisphere, that are connected in you know contiguous land uh, fr- from the Northern Triangle through through Mexico that are impoverished. And yeah, you know, you'd want to come here if we say we're going to bring you here. But if we would telegraph the message that we're done with it um, and have a big media campaign in Central America and Spanish language and say we're done, you can never um, come here without applying through an embassy. I mean, I would think a lot of that would end. It's a very efficient market. It's a very uh, efficient push-pull supply and demand. That's that's exactly what we saw in April of 2017. Remember, on rhetoric and rhetoric alone, President Trump dropped illegal immigration to 45-year lows. We were, we still arrested 11,000 people, but 11,000 people, you know, is is only it, it's a small number compared to what we normally arrest in a month. Um, that number was manageable. 11,000 people was manageable. And if we would have been able to keep that number at that, at that area, we would, we would have control of the border today. And that's exactly how it was done. It was broadcast worldwide. If you come to the United States and you do it illegally, we're going to take you into custody. We're going to hold you pending your deportation or your asylum claim. And if you have no right to be in the country, we're going to send you back to your country. Well, people just stopped crossing. Family units in April of 2017 were, were a very small number. Asylum seekers, in, in, I'm sorry, in April of 2017, family units were a very small number. Asylum seekers, seekers in April of 2017 were a very small number. We were catching the criminals. 
because that's what was trying to cross. The, the cartels weren't able to create, manufacture these holes um, that we discussed. And we were able to take a, a great, you know, we were in April of 2017. I would say that we were around 80, 90 percent effective just because wow. we didn't we weren't dealing with the sheer numbers. And that was based upon rhetoric and rhetoric alone. But because we didn't follow it up with action, the numbers are, are, are starting to skyrocket again. And, and and that's what concerns me. Like I said, it's the ones that you don't see and the ones that, that certainly the media doesn't focus on. Just to uh, just elaborate on that point, do you feel are, – are you experiencing this now that as a result of the media scrutiny in particular? I know it's probably a little bit more on some other areas of DHS and certainly ICE, but at, at Border Patrol – is the media focus and the national just obsession with not securing the border, which would solve the downstream problem of separating families, but separating families, the problem itself, is that in itself hampering the work that you guys do? It's not only hampering the work that we do, but it's sending the message across the world. You got to remember, everybody has social media. It doesn't matter how poor your country is. You have social media in your, in your country. Um, what we're doing is we're sending that the media is sending a clear message around the world that it's okay to cross the borders illegally. We will make this more of a humanitarian issue than a legal issue. So go ahead and cross the borders illegally and we'll shine a spotlight on you and say, Oh, how sad, how sad, how sad. Um, and so the media is actually exacerbating the problem that we currently have because it's that message that is being sent around the world that, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to cross the border illegally. Again, manu cartels that manufacture holes in the border and they cross their higher profit products when we have to deal with these asylum seekers. It's, 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 a, it's a perfect, it's a beautiful business model, um, the model that they've created. And this business model just in illegal Im immigrants, it's $500 million a year. But then when you add on top of it, um, the illegal contraband, such as the fentanyl, the opioids, you know, now you're going into the billions of dollars per year. Of course, they're going to do this. Of course, they're going to continue to advertise. And we are playing into their hands. And that I just don't understand. No, I mean it's it's this simple point that the, the the one part that they take out is the drug cartels, um, and just the national security aspect to it, and and this enables it, it hurts it for them, and also you know as we noted, and again this is more ISIS purview on in, in, interior enforcement, but with the gang crisis that even the mainstream media is reporting on, there were a number of cases this week we saw of, um, just brutal beatings and murders and rapes. Uh, committed by people, you know, these young twenties people that came in. Most of them in the UAC kind of era, 2014, 2015, and disproportionately, the victims are themselves illegal aliens. And what's amazing is that again, it's not cool to care about Americans in in our body politic, evidently. But what they're missing is that you're doing the you know kind of peaceful people no favors by bringing them in through a process that enables so many bad people to come in and they inevitably cluster in the same neighborhoods when they eventually settle. Well, I mean, you see that in Chicago right now. All you have to do is go to, inner, to any 
um, inner city right now, and you're going to see um, uh, people that cross the border illegally that are here illegally. Um, and, and generally speaking, you're not talking about um, great neighborhoods. You're not talking about peaceful neighborhoods, generally speaking. Um, and uh, again, what we're doing is we're just perpetuating this cycle. We're not trying to fix it. We're not trying to help the cycle. We're actually encouraging the cycle. And the media plays a large role in that. Um, and anybody that, that tries to vilify the good guys and make the bad guys the good guys, um, you're going to have a problem. Um, it's just it's an, it's an issue. It's an issue that, that frankly, it's, it's just like anybody. Um, it's like somebody that's addicted to, to alcohol. Until you hit rock bottom, you're not going to make changes. Um, I thought that we hit rock bottom already. I thought that the public said no more, you know, in November of 2016, but apparently we haven't hit rock bottom. Um, and until we do, it doesn't appear like anybody wants to have a solution to this problem. And again, that makes it dangerous for your listeners. Hey, Dan, I, I, I hate to do this to you, but I've, I've got to run. Um, yep. Well, listen, I really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, And, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're listening. You know, I I appreciate your listeners getting out and voting. That's how we're going to fix this problem is if we vote people in that are actually going to do what needs to be done. Pass the laws that need to be passed so that we can fix this problem. God bless you, Brandon. And and stay, stay safe and keep us updated. Dan, thanks. We'll talk to you later. All righty. There you go, folks. That was Brandon Judd, the president of the Border Patrol Council. And yes, Brandon's very busy. You know, he he promised me 25 minutes and I went over time, just forgot to look at the clock. I mean, he's literally on patrol. He's not just some, you know, public sector union boss that, uh, you know, has a cushy job and goes and mouths off. Um, You know, thankfully, it's the one benefit of unions is that he could actually speak out against dumb government policies, but he does spend most of his time patrolling. But I mean, this is the central point I'm trying to drive home, and I wanted you to hear it from a border agent. you know, you don't hear from the other, the other half of the border crisis that both halves are orchestrated by the drug cartels. You know, it's bad enough to have a number of impoverished individuals that aren't real asylees. You know, and they're just really going to be a public charge, just not going to assimilate. But let's say they're not going to commit crimes. Although I would argue, again, a lot of the children might grow up and have problems. Um, but it's the really bad dudes that they enable. They enable their crossing. Um, and I, again, I I don't know what it's going to take. I I don't know. And my fear is, and what I'm worried about is that the entire right will now be obsessed with filling Kennedy's seat, which is important in its own right, but we're going to miss this opportunity. And rather than having a, you know, the issue of September being the budget fight over immigration, over the wall, over sanctuary cities, um, it's just all going to be over the, you know, judiciary confirmation hearings, and that's going to give the administration a pass to just sell us out on the budget, and we don't get anything else for it. You know, and then what's the point? So, look, I don't know. I don't know where we're headed on this, but um, but definitely, 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 we need to stay on top of this. I I'm just about out of time as well. Uh, tweet me your questions at Arm Conservative. Uh, email me at dharowitz at crtv.com. Let me know what you want answered. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of issues that have slipped through my radar. This has just been that crazy of a week. Um, 
but we will have at least one show before the end of the week to tie some things up uh, before I go on vacation. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm going to a place where there's no liberals, barely any cell phone reception, and you know, just straight up family time. But thanks for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 